bitter or better. When I was blow drying my hair a couple weeks ago and the Lord just dropped this in my heart. Don't you guys love that when he speaks to you in the most random moments? Um, and he just said, are you going to allow this to make you bitter or better? And I was like, oh, it's good. So I'm going to read some scripture to you. Genesis 15, 5 says, afterward, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? You have given me no children, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own to inherit everything I'm giving to you. Then the Lord brought Abram outside beneath the night sky and told him, Look up to the heavens and count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like that too many to count. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I just pray for just a supernatural increase of your tangible manifest presence right now. Mm. Father, that every heart would be open to receive your word this morning. I thank you that I have the honor to just be able to be a vessel to declare the works of the Lord and, and to your awesome people. In Jesus' name, amen. Who enjoyed your Christmas? I had a great Christmas. I love Christmas. I don't take my tree down till the end of January. And I don't apologize. Like, I love Christmas. Um, It goes up on Thanksgiving and it doesn't come down till January. Like, I just have to extend it. I I told my husband, I wish I had one day between Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. It was mainly because I was exhausted. But, you know, then more days to celebrate. But, um... I remember there's no little kids in here. No. Okay. I remember when I knew Santa wasn't real. We don't do Santa in our house. My husband says his name is Satan Claus. He tells that to our children. And I have to just like, well, if you want to believe you can, it's okay. That's me as the mom, like trying to make it better. But so we don't do Santa in our house, but I did when I was younger. And I remember the year I, I knew Santa wasn't real. I think I was in first grade. And I remember um, my friend, she was telling me all the things that she got in her stocking after Christmas. You know, like just tons and tons of stuff stuffed in her stockings, not including the presents under the tree. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I just got one thing in my stocking. And I'm like seven or eight years old. And I'm like, I know. I was better than you this year. (laughs) He's not kidding about the halo. It was still, it was there back then, like it is still now. And I was like, I know that I was way better than you. So it's not Santa. It's just because my mom doesn't have a lot of money. And in that moment, even as a young girl, I had an opportunity as a young girl to say, it's not fair and that's not fair. My mom, Santa's not real. And I didn't, I just knew in my heart. I was like, Oh, you know, she's a single mom and she doesn't have enough money. And it's not about Santa. It's not about what you get. And I just, in my heart, in that moment, I knew he wasn't real, but I also had an opportunity even at a young age to choose bitterness or to choose to be better. And in this story, I see, I love the story of Sarah. I love it because it's so, she's so real. Don't you love when you get to meet real people? not fake people that have it all together on the outside and you have to pretend that 
you want to be like that, but you don't because they're not really real. But Sarah's real. And so um, in Genesis, when God comes to Abram and she's 90 years old and says, you're going to have a kid, do you know what she does? She laughs at God. Literally, she laughed at God. Like, yeah, right, God, you're real. Like, you're going to make me have a baby. <laughs> and so she's, she's literally taking this moment and she's like, to God the Father, she's laughing at him. Like, this is not going to happen. Um, and for her, she had a choice. And at first, she chose her own route. She chose the bitter route. And what it left her, I'm going to read in Genesis. It says, so Abram slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. Um, Hagar, if you know the story, Hagar is her maidservant. And so she chose to say, hey, Abraham, husband, I want you to go and be with our maidservant so we can have a son because God promised us a son and I'm 90 years old and he's tripping and this is the only way it's going to happen. So when Hagar, she had relations with Abram, she knew she was pregnant. She began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, it's all your fault. Now this servant of mine is pregnant and she despises me though. I gave myself Though I myself gave her the privilege of sleeping with you, the Lord will make you pay for doing this to me. Isn't she funny? It was totally her idea too. And she was the one that was like telling Abraham to do this and now it's his fault. Sometimes we're like that. Um, So I see three things that happen when we do things our way and we choose to be bitter. First of all, we take situations and circumstances. And we take things into our own hands, try to fix it, try to make it right. Try to do it our way. The product of what that result is, is not what God intended. It's not what he intended. God did not promise Abraham's inheritance would come through his maid's son. God's promise was that it would come through his wife's son. The last thing that it caused is a victim mentality. And this is what I want to focus on because there's opportunities that we have when life circumstances come our way and we can choose to become a victim or we can choose to be victorious. There is this mindset and it just frustrates me so bad when you are, when we become victims of our circumstances. Now, I don't know. I can't explain why bad things happen. We live in a world that has fallen, that has been turned over to the enemy. Um, you know, we, um, we lead ourselves in these paths of destruction. I do know that God is good and nothing bad happens. That's of his, he doesn't start it. Okay. So if anything bad does happen, it's not, he's not the author, but I do know that bad things happen and life isn't fair. It's not. If somebody told you that it was, they lied. If somebody told you that everything's going to be pretty and perfect all the time, they lied. And if somebody told you that just because now you're a Christian, it's going to be pretty and perfect all the time, they lied to you too. Because life is life and things happen. But we have a choice to be bitter or better. See, if the circumstance that I'm going through, God might not be the author, but he says, you're going through it. You might've done it to yourself. 99.9% of the time you did, 
put yourself in this situation. I can make you better. I can make you gold. I can refine you. But I have to make that choice. I make that choice. And something that frustrates me so bad is when we remain victims of our circumstance. Creating this mentality that I am ultimately the one that has been wronged. It's possible you could have been. But that doesn't mean you should walk in that. Walk in victory. Overcome your circumstances and walk in victory. And don't be a victim any longer. Um, I remember maybe seven, seven or eight years ago, we were, we were doing ministry mainly that long ago. Zach was doing ministry. I was just walking five steps behind him. One time I even had a prophetic word. This was the best prophetic word I ever got. Um, I see your husband just walking, just walking towards God, walking towards destiny, but he has to keep stopping and looking back to grab you. That's real encouraging, right? That was a long time ago. That's okay. I'm better now. Um, but I remember about seven or eight years ago and we're in ministry and I had a friend, a friend that decided that she had the need to call me and tell me everything she thought about me for about an hour and a half. And I really like when people like me and I really don't like when they don't. So if you don't like me, don't tell me, I don't want to know if I've offended you get over it, but I don't want to know if you don't like how I do things. I don't care. Just don't tell me, pretend like you like me. Okay. Cause I would much rather that cause I really like when people like me and I really don't when they don't. So it's really hard for me to take rejection. So this lady calls and she, a friend begins to tell me how I don't do things right in my marriage. I don't do things right with my children and we don't do things right in ministry and that we're not called and not anointed and not, and that we are just being used and all of these things for about an hour and a half. She's telling me all this stuff. And, um, I remember the day very clearly because that night I was supposed to go to a spa night with my girlfriends and she ruined it. <sighs> Serious. You don't forget those nights when you have like a night where you just get to leave the kids home and you get to go like a girls you get with me a spa night. So my husband's at work and, um, and as much as he loves me, he loves me so much. You guys know how much he loves me. He will defend me just as hard. So don't mess with me. Um, so when he gets home, I, he sees me and I'm literally like a mess. I'm a bawling basket case of a mess. And he's like, what happened? And I begin to tell him what sh- some of the things that my friend said. And, and, um, and he says, we cannot let this take root in our heart. You cannot let this affect you. You cannot let this break you. And he, um, he put the kids to bed and he put on worship and we began to pray and cry and pray and cry for three hours. We prayed and we cried and we released and we, we chose to love. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done because I seriously wanted to call her and tell her what I thought 
or find her and tell her face what I thought. I'm still a Christian. But we didn't. And we chose to let that moment make us better. And I remember my heart shift. I remember feeling compassion for her. I remember feeling grace for her. And I'm, God, how is this happening in my heart? How is my heart shifting in such a way that I can actually love her more now than I did before? And my heart just started to change in this moment of just crying out to God for his heart for her. Crying out to God for his heart for me. Not letting the words take root. Not allowing the words to affect me. Not allowing the situation to break me. Not allowing bitterness to take that small, tiny root in my heart, but allowing freedom to take place and allowing me to be better. Something happens when you make the choice to be better. Rising above a situation. I choose not to get offended. I choose not to be bitter. I choose not to let it take root. I choose not to let it break me, change me, make me hate, make me have bitterness in my heart, but I choose to point my heart to God and love. I choose to love. So when Sarah did that, this is what the, the word says in Genesis 21. It says, the Lord did exactly what he had promised. Kind of stop there. <laughs> How many of you waiting for a promise from the Lord? How many of you waiting on something that God said he was going to do for you and you have yet to see it? Choose better over bitter. And God will do exactly what he promises. Sarah became pregnant. She gave a son to Abraham in his old age. It all happened at the time God said it would. (laughs) Isn't that good how God does that? (laughs) He's all, you're not ready, Rochelle. Just wait, you're not ready. And then he does it right on time, right on time. And Abraham named his son Isaac eight days after Isaac was born. Abraham circumcised him as God has commanded. Abraham was 100 years old at the time. A hundred years old. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. For who would have dreamed that I would ever have a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. Her laughter of mockingness of God turned into a laughter of joy of what he had done. See, there's times when our when we're in a in a situation of sorrow or bitterness or contempt or resentment. Let like when we are singing that song prophetically, it's night, but tomorrow's coming. It's night, but there's the sun is on the horizon. Let it turn our moments of weakness into a place where God says, I'm going to fill you with such joy that you can laugh at every situation. Ever been able to laugh at a situation that you shouldn't be able to laugh at? It's like the greatest joy. You look back as if you're like, why did that even bother me? Why was I even swayed in knowing who you are, God? Why did I even let it tip me one way or the other? And you just laugh at it. The moment Sarah stepped down in faith, she walked in victory. She walked in the supernatural. I think it's pretty supernatural that a 90-year-old woman had a baby. I'm 31 and I feel old. Seriously. I'm tired. Man, 
I want to sit down after about five minutes. And the product of her faithfulness, the product of her choices was everlasting fruit, a blessing to the nations and generations. See, we talk about Abraham a lot. I like to do this. We talk about the faith of Abraham and he's a father of many nations. What does that say about Sarah? She had to have great faith too. She had to be a mother to generations. She had to be able to walk in that thing. And I see that in her life. Now, how do we take this? How do I make my situation better or bitter? How do I do it, right? Practically, because I can say all the right things in my head and yeah, rise above that, Rochelle. But let me explain something to you. The covenant that God made with Abraham before he could fulfill the promise was the, pro- was the uh, covenant of, of circumcision. Now, let me just, you all know what that means. Abraham was like 90 years old when he got circumcised. And then he circumcised his son at 13. Isn't that sound a little, that's, yeah. For you guys, I don't understand. That's just, you know, that's a guy thing, right? My husband's having a hard time dealing with the fact he's going to have to get a vasectomy. So. I'm having no more children. I love you so much. I'm having no more babies. Five's enough. Um, but Abraham promised with his covenant with God was that he would circumcise all the men in his life and all of his children and his children's children. And it's still a covenant promise with Jews today at eight days. They, they circumcise their children, I think. Right. Looking at my Jewish friend right here in the front row. But he made that same promise with you and me. The moment we're born again, he circumcises our heart and gives us a new heart. The moment we're born again. So his covenant with you and me that we are able, we have the ability to make every situation better and not walk in bitterness is he said, I gave you a new heart. I gave you my heart. I think about my kids because it's just became Christmas, right? So they all got new toys. I was thinking, I remember why I only give my kids three presents each from mom and dad is because they have seriously the worst grandparents on the planet that spoil them rotten. Like I have, I have all the grandparents. Yes. I'm like, I went to my, um, my, my aunt's house where, um, my grandma and my father and my whole dad's side of the family do presents. It literally was like a, a room, the size of this stage filled with presents. I'm like, there's like 10 kids. That's it. Is this all for the children? Oh my gosh. My whole car got full on that way on that trip home. But I'm thinking about my kids and how even Josiah, he's five and a half years old and he's really into Legos. So moms have compassion for me, you know, when you step on them all. Um, but he's really into building these little Lego things and he's really into it. Like he's so cute about it too. It's so adorable because he's five and he's like really focused on these tiny little things and they make Batmans and stuff like that. And so right now they're really organized. Like he keeps them all together and separated and really, really special. And in about a month, I'm going to find them all on the floor 
And, um, and then I'm have to throw half of them away because they just drive me nuts. And it, it makes me think sometimes about how we are. Sometimes when we first get something, we value it, we treasure it. And then in a couple months, uh, it's old. But we do that with our heart, I think, and our relationship with the Lord. Because it's good for us to know that we're sons and daughters. I'm a daughter. No matter what I do, God loves me. And I know that. He loves me. Like, he doesn't love Rochelle only when she's, like, being spiritual. He loves me all the time. He loves me. And I know that, and I can walk in that truth and walk in the fact that I know that he loves me. But I also have to understand I have a responsibility with my heart. It's this precious, valuable thing that God gave me. I think about my husband. After seven years of marriage, he bought me a beautiful diamond ring, and it was, you know, not cheap. And it was precious. And I think about what it would do to his heart if I didn't treasure or value it, if I didn't wear it every day, if I didn't count it as something valuable for me. What would that do for him? And sometimes I think that's what we do with our heart and our relationship with the Lord. In Proverbs, it says, um, 423, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. We have such a big responsibility to value, cultivate, guard, and treasure this thing called the new heart he gave you. Now, if you have not ever received the Lord and you don't have a new heart, just ask. He'll give you one because he gives it freely. He's just like that. He's just like a good dad, just giving hearts out. But see, there was a cost for him, and I have to count it. The cost for him was his son. It was great. For a restored relationship, he said, I'll send my son for you. And in return, I get this new thing called a new heart. But sometimes I don't take good care of it. I don't guard it. I allow bitterness, resentment. I allow rebellion and witchcraft. And I allow manipulation and fear to come into this thing called my new heart. When all I have to do is guard it and cultivate it. And so I think for this year, I think... For all of 2012, I've had some highs and I've had some lows. It's been a great year. God has done amazing things. But it's been some times of shaking for me personally. Some times of, of, of me being challenged in my love for people. Being challenged in my commitment to his call. There are times I don't want to keep doing what we do. There are times I tell my husband, honey, just go get a job because it's not worth it because we carry everything that happens in this church because we love our hearts are big and we love big, which means we can hurt a lot too. And I'm allowing every situation, the openness and transparency to the Lord to say, God, make me better in this grow my heart, expand my capacity to love. Every time I feel like somebody hurts me, God, make my heart bigger. I remember the first time I had a spiritual daughter become a prodigal and it broke my heart. And I introspected and became a victim. Well, 
how come she didn't value me? And if she understood what I gave her, and it's like, Rochelle, it ain't about you right now. But I remember that feeling of that tearing. And I said, God, let my heart be bigger now. Let there be more room in my heart for more babies that need mamas. Let there be more room in my heart for more women that need a friend. Let there be more room in my heart for more moms in my life. And so I have to make a choice to have every single situation. And I choose not to be bitter. I choose to let God be my defender. I choose to keep my mouth shut. And I choose to give him my heart. And that's my heart for this year. That's my heart as we close. Um, Can we just pray? And I... I know that we've all gone through stuff. And like I said, I don't, I can't explain everything. I, I don't, I can't tell you why things happen. But I do know I have a choice to respond the way that God wants me to respond to them. I have a choice to respond and say, I'm going to make it make me better. I'm going to choose to not have bitterness, resentment, fear. Rejection. I'm going to choose to allow my heart to stay pure. Can we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I believe this is a moment for all of us. And I know for me, it has been a week of just reflecting on my own heart. But I believe this is a moment for us to seal this year with hearts that are pure. To seal this year and say, nothing that has happened is going to make me bitter. Nothing that has happened is going to make me stop loving, stop reaching, stop worshiping, stop rejoicing, stop laughing. Search your heart. If you have to lay down some things, lay down some things. If you have to give him some things, give him some things.
before him and worship. Just lay it at his feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 